Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week 28. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Mil Poirier of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. Good to see you, Milt. How are you doing? I'm good, Greg. How are you? Pretty good. So the Week 28 report has been released. Um, pretty similar numbers, potentially some silver linings, but let's dive into it, Milt. For CN, what did you see? Well, just broadly on the whole, I guess I would say that performance remains poor uh, for CN and CP. Um, continue to struggle to meet shipper orders on time, despite demand being seemingly at historic lows. But CN took a little bit of a step back, um, you know, nominal, but they went from 45% in week 27 to 44% in week uh, 28. Neither of those numbers is anything to cheer about, but, uh, you know, they started to trend the wrong way. And really for them, it was again, uh, all about Vancouver and, uh, you know, by volume, it's most important corridor uh, and they've performed terribly uh, for some time now, the better part of three months, um, pretty much since the disruptions in November. In week 27, um, that was the one bright spot uh, in week 28 that turned around. So you know, as bad as their overall performance was in week 27, they did manage to hit 72% for uh, orders in the Vancouver corridor in week 27. But unfortunately, in week 28, um, that turned around quite significantly, and they dropped down to 47%. And it seems like they can't seem to perform well in multiple corridors in the same week. So in week 27, we saw them have very good performance. Well, significantly better than average performance in the Vancouver corridor, but all other corridors suffered. And in week 28, we kind of saw the exact opposite. They reverted back to the mean in the Vancouver corridor with a not very good performance, but there was a little bit of relief in other corridors, Prince Rupert, uh, US corridor, for instance, where they performed well, but unfortunately the demand in those corridors was extremely low. You know, Vancouver was 80 to 85% of demand in week 28. So even though they performed well in corridors not called Vancouver, it, you know, they weren't big enough to swing top line performance. So much the same as we've seen uh, for a number of months now, unfortunately. And for CP, slight return or upward trend. Yeah, a little bit better, um, you know, still not great, but uh, for 59% in week 28, which kind of turned a corner for them because up to, uh, prior to week 28, they'd been going downhill for three weeks in a row, which kind of culminated with their 48% uh, order fulfillment performance in week 27. So yes, better this week, still not good, but better. But they suffer from the same problem as CN does, and that's seemingly the inability to perform somewhat evenly, if you will, across multiple corridors in the same week. So once again, um, you know, Vancouver, the most critical corridor for CP as well, uh, only 51% of shipper orders met. And, you know, if you look back three weeks before week 28, they were 48, 52, 57. So this one kind of falls right in line. 
Um, and on the flip side, uh, some other corridors saw better performance, um, but overall they were very small from a volume perspective. So again, uh, not enough to swing the top line for CP either. So I mentioned that there potentially was some silver lining. Some of the things, one of the things we've noticed over the past many, many weeks is a growing backlog of orders. Um, bit of a, 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 a positive news this week. What did you see regarding the backlog mill? Some progress, which was a nice change given what we've seen over the last uh, month and a half to two months. Um, between CN and CP in week 28, they took a pretty significant chunk out of their order backlog. Uh, both railways had, you know, dated orders going back all the way to week 22, 23. Uh, and that number had gotten to about 4,400 uh, coming out of week 27, which is a huge number when you think that that's actually bigger than, you know, total demand for a week these days. But they made some progress. They knocked that down by about a thousand cars um, in week 28, which was good to see. And obviously reducing the backlog is, you know, a key uh, element in trying to restore week to week performance, i.e. to get order fulfillment performance on a week to week basis back up to where it needs to be, uh, which is tough to do if you're dragging around 4,000 plus orders that you haven't filled in prior weeks. So that was positive. Um, and based on what we've seen um, in the last few days, uh, I think it's reasonable to expect that this number is going to keep coming down uh, in week 29, 30, et cetera. Really, the only question is, you know, how quickly. So I'm not sure I would expect them to knock it down a thousand cars every week going forward. If they did, that'd be great. But that might be a little bit optimistic. But I think probably the start of a, a positive trend that way. Yeah. And, that, and that's good. I mean, like we've often mentioned in the previous weeks, we've seen some historically bad service. And if this is a initial sign that we at least may be climbing out of that hole, uh, that, that's good. I mean, I think the, the real question is what happened over the past few weeks. And we'll have to sort of unpack that as we go. Uh, provincially, um, anything catch your eye? Not really. Um, kind of a mixed bag, if you will, across the Prairie Provinces in week 28 for uh, both railways. Um, you know, performance not great, really, in any individual province. Um, I would say that uh, Alberta probably fared close to the best, um, which is, you know, quite a change from what we've seen for most of this grain year, where Alberta shippers, particularly those served by CN, have had a, a really tough year from a performance perspective. So we saw CN go down a little bit in week 28, but still, you know, better than they have been at 60%. That's their second best week in the last three months, but down a little bit from 65 in the week prior. And CP, like CN, also improved uh, for Alberta shippers in week 28. They got up to um, 72%. And when you put those two together, that's collectively the best performance that Alberta shippers have seen in at least three months. So I guess a positive sign for them, the question is always will be, you know, can they sustain and do this week in and week out? Manitoba, unfortunately, uh, not so fortunate. Uh, we've talked in the uh, last few weeks about CN's poor performance in, uh, for Manitoba shippers, despite low volume. 
uh, you know, coming out of week 27, uh, CN had delivered 0% of orders in three out of four weeks, um, or, or sorry, two out of three weeks. So they extended that streak in week 28, uh, 0% again. Um, and unfortunately, CP followed suit, um, also delivering 0% of cars for Manitoba shippers. So a really tough week. I mean, not significant volumes when you compare them to the volumes earlier in the year for Manitoba, when Thunder Bay was up and running, which is obviously the key corridor for shippers in that province. But still, I mean, that's that's really bad performance. And, and they got it from both sides of the coin in week 28. Saskatchewan a little bit better. They kind of split the middle. Um, some improved performance from both CN and CP. Uh, CN still not great at 42%, but when you compare it to the 4% that they had in week 27, it looks pretty good. And CP uh, bumped their numbers up to 69%, um, which you know is better than they've done in some time. That was the second best week for them in two months. So really all over the map when you go province to province for both railways, which, you know, of course is, is not good. And it's kind of uh, similar to what we see in, you know, the inconsistency across corridors, we're seeing the same thing, which is inconsistency in service, depending on where the traffic originates. So not good all in all. No, really tough performance for Manitoba. Also something that, um, you know, when you're, getting zero of the orders you needed for that week. Uh, it's a bit of a, a bit of a problem. Um, and again, I think once we, when we do our retrospective on, on this year, it's going to have to be an area that, that gets looked at, obviously, some of these other provincial performances. So last week, Milt, we looked at, you know, the bigger picture, the, the, the overall supply chain data that we get from Transport Canada that covers a bunch of other commodities. Um, one thing we didn't get to was port performance, but which I think we'll cover a bit today. But before we do, just a quick check-in. We got the latest report from those Transport Canada numbers. Um, similar to potentially the uptick we're seeing in grain performance, are we seeing the same thing across the entire system in some of those key metrics we talked about last week? Yeah, I th I th the most recent uh, week for performance that we have for the Transport Canada metrics is the week of February 5th to 11th, which pretty much corresponds with week uh, 28 when you look at the green calendar. Um, and there are some, some you know, encouraging signs, I think. Um, we're seeing uh, system velocity, if you will, start to improve. Uh, you know, that's based on a metric for average train speed that are, that's published by the railways. We seem to see a little bit of improvement in uh, network congestion. Um, we measure, as does uh, Transport Canada, uh, what we call idle car counts or cars not moving for 48 hours or more. And we've seen some improvement there for both CN and CP in the most recent week, which is consistent, by the way, with what we're seeing um, in our daily reporting for ATC. Terminal fluidity for the major railway terminals seems to be getting better. Uh, uh, dwell times in all those terminals, uh, for the most part, are headed in the right direction, which is down in this case. The one exception I would point out is uh, origin dwell, uh, 
which is a metric that measures how long cars sit loaded at the foraging stations before the railways pick them up. And in CN, um, that's really where we saw, you know, kind of something going the wrong way as compared to the other metrics I just talked about. Uh, their overall system origin dwell numbers jumped quite dramatically in uh, the most recent week. And a lot of that was tied coincidentally to their performance for grain. Uh, CN reported that for grain in that week, they had average dwell times of 132 hours. Now, that's five and a half days. Normally, shippers would expect cars to be picked up in about 24 hours. So that's pretty extreme. But when you think about, you know, recent months, actually, CN's average dwell for grain has been in that 75 to 80 hour range. So not good in and of itself, but this particular week was, was not good. CP, on the other hand, their origin dwell um, a little bit better, uh, saw some modest improvements. So it seems to be, you know, turning a corner as well. Okay, thanks, Milk. Let's look at poor performance. So obviously, and particularly Vancouver, Vancouver is obviously a, a major uh, port for, for grain exports. Um, and we do see some, some numbers there around vessels, vessels lineups. Um, from your sense of, of what we can see from, from particular vessel lineups, um, how has poor performance been, or at least how has the service that we've been experiencing from, from the railways, how is it also reflected in when what we're seeing at the port? Uh, similar, I, I guess. Um, you know, the timeline is very much the same, and it's, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody when you think about uh, integrated supply chains, and grain is a classic example, but it's not just grain. It's the same for potash or coal or sulfur or any other commodity that's trying to move by rail into a port position for, for export. Um, so the port uh, performance for Vancouver, this is based on statistics that are reported by the Grain Monitor Program. Uh, you know, when you look at it, um, it spiked significantly uh, immediately after the Vancouver mainline disruptions in uh, mid-November. And, you know, at that time before the disruptions, uh, the port was averaging about 44 vessels in port, whether that be at berth or at anchorage uh, on a daily basis. Uh, about half of those were grain, so say 20 or 21 of those, which is for grain is not, frankly, an unusually high number uh, at that time of year, generally, or historically speaking. But then the disruptions happened and port performance kind of went uh, the wrong way, much like rail performance did. Uh, that number from 44 jumped to about 75. So not quite double, but getting there. And, and it kind of held there for three months. Like there really has not been any progress to speak of in uh, the number of vessels trying to access the port of Vancouver um, for the last three months. The one thing I would note though, interestingly, is that uh, the problem does not necessarily seem to be with grain vessels because uh, even after the destruction, uh, grain vessel counts kind of held pretty steady at 20 to 22 vessels a day um, with a little bit of improvement seen in the last couple of weeks. 
which probably in part reflects, you know, the low volumes this year. So exports are down out of Vancouver, some 44% or 9 million tons through the first 28 weeks. So there's less vessels than would normally come. So that probably accounts for part of it. But where the real problem has existed has been with non-grain vessels, which is container shipments and what's referred to in the reporting as other vessel types. So if you take grain and containers out of the equation, your other vessel types are going to be made up of things like coal, sulfur, potash, uh, you know, bulk commodities that are also railing to Vancouver and then trying to vessel out of Vancouver. So they have been the lion's share of the vessel issue, if you will, for the better part of three months. And they still are. Um, those vessel counts remain very high up until just the first couple of days of this week. They're almost 50 a day. And there's been very, very little relief there, which is kind of interesting. Um, now we've just seen some improvement with the most recently reported data for this week. So in the last three days, we've seen those numbers come down by about, let's say 15%. So if you look at this week, instead of averaging 75 to 78 vessels a day, they're down to the mid 60s. So I guess that's positive. Um, but it's, you know, it's taking a very long time to recover which is not a dissimilar story from what we're seeing in, in rail service for grain or for the broader system. So I guess when you get down to it, you know, the thing that that reminds us is that when we look at grain performance, we can't just look at grain performance, but we have to look at grain performance in the context of the broader rail system, which includes uh, other commodities. And we have to look beyond the rail system uh, in cases like this to port performance because a supply chain works great if it works end to end. If rail gets better, but vessel performance at port does not, it's just shifting the problem and shippers on the whole are not gonna be better. So we need both pieces to improve kind of at the same time before shippers see the full relief that they're looking for. Yeah, thanks a lot, Mel. It's a great insight and Agreed. It's um, it's important to understand what's happening in grain, but I think, as you just said, and we've often said that insight into the whole system is is absolutely necessary. Well, thanks for your insight. As always, Melt. Uh, for those who'd like to see the report, you can go to www.agtransportcoalition.com, and we'll talk to you all next week. Bye.